episode number 29 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast, recorded July 17th, 2019. Uh, my name is Eric. I'm the host of the show. I'm based in Southern Ontario. I'm a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, VE3 EPN, and a computer geek. Uh, I got into preparedness when I was working frontline emergency services and witnessed over-reliance on emergency services during major events such as ice storms, power outages, etc. I started a small preparedness company to help get people prepared and able to look after themselves for at least 72 hours, if not longer. My name is Ian, and I live on a small hobby farm. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, sport shooter, reloader, field officer for the CCFR, and my farm's designated handyman. I'm Alan. My friends and family call me a safety nerd. My background as a first responder has developed a mind for safety for me. I teach first aid, coach my friends and family to be better prepared. I'm a locksmith by trade and have worked in the physical security industry for more than 20 years now. All right. So we've got some uh, time-critical content for you in this episode. Uh, we're going to start off with some uh, news articles relating to preparedness in the outdoors. Uh, next, we'll be letting you know how we've improved our preparedness since our last episode. And then we're going to get into the main topic for this episode, uh, Wargaming for a 48-hour countdown to uh, shit hit the fan. So let's move into some uh, news articles. Uh, the only real news around here is that it is hot. Record-setting temperatures over the last, like over today and expected for more for tomorrow. Um, it's going to get hot and it's going to stay hot and it's going to be muggy and it's going to be humid. Uh, so good reminder to stay super hydrated, uh, replace the electrolytes that you use, avoid caffeine and alcohol, uh, which are both uh, diuretics will help dehydrate you, stay out of the sun, keep your clothing loose and light. Uh, your best measure of hydration is actually your urinary output. Dark is bad, absent is worse. So as long as you're peeing, it's good. And the darker it is, the more water you need to drink. Uh, electrolytes, uh, lime juice, or what would you recommend if you're not using Gatorade? Um, I'm assuming just water. Electrolytes, uh, electrolytes, uh, the, the, um, the big three are potassium, magnesium, and sodium. Um, my favorite are the dissolvable tabs. Uh, they don't taste terribly good. Um, I buy them locally at, uh, at the Mountain Equipment Co-op, but you can get them. I think Canadian Tire sells them. Shoppers Drug Mart does as well. Uh, Pedialyte works well. Um, otherwise, even just taking tablets of potassium, magnesium, and making sure you've got enough sodium in your diet. Um, usually the, the, first, the first indicator that you're low on, on electrolytes is you're starting to cramp. So whether it's in your legs or in your stomach, um, that's kind of indicator number one. Hmm. Interesting, yeah. No, that's for sure. I mean, I, I, all you got to do is eat a couple tater tots. You're probably good for salt for the next six years. But yeah, it's, it's very rare that people become low on sodium. Yeah, especially while all modern diets, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've got a couple uh, news articles. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, not for everybody that's, well, everybody's not on Canadian gun nuts, but it is uh, a bit of a trend lately. I always like to try and support Canadian manufacturers, but uh, as far as firearms stuff goes, there's been a, another catastrophic failure of a BCL-102, which is a made-in-Canada, non-restricted 308 semi-auto rifle. Uh, Tacti-cool as heck and uh, relatively cheap, but unfortunately, uh, the manufacturer has had an pro ongoing problem for years and years, even though they changed their name and, and tried to rejig things with quality control. Um, and so there's actually a well-documented, lots of pictures available, uh, thread on gun nuts regarding this because the guy basically had it explode in his face and not cool. cool. There's, there's been some, uh, there's been some charging handles let loose and fly into people's faces and there's been some other stuff going on, but this is getting to the point where it's almost a safety concern for everybody involved. So if you have a BCL 102, maybe just do a quick inspection, maybe take it to gunsmith, take a little peek because, um, Hey, if something like that were to happen when you're not anywhere close to medical services, that could be a larger problem. So I decided to mention that one as well. Um, so you can find that one under, I left the uh, link in the show notes there as well. Next one, uh, wild pigs turning into an eco ecological disaster. So this is from the CBC uh, near the Ottawa area, but this is actually going all over the prairies now. Wild boars coming up from, uh, you know, basically prairie, the prairie parts of the States, and they're expanding at a rate of 80,000 square kilometers a year. And these wild wow. boars are digging up farm fields, uh, killing small livestock, basically breaking down fences, and they all attack humans if injured as well. So um, this is something to turn into that's becoming more of an awareness item for Canadians is the fact that wild pigs, nocturnal predators, and uh, basically farm destroyers. And there's probably no season on them yet, is there? In Canada, surprisingly, no, but down the States, it's basically shoot on site, 
uh, night hunting allowed the whole works. People are shooting them from helicopters to try and keep them yeah. up. But even even when using shooting from helicopters with semi-autos, uh, with no bag limits, they're still not able to keep it under control. So that should tell you something. That's significant. Yeah, I've I've seen videos of like, yeah, helicopter boar hunts in Texas, and yeah, it's uh, it looks like a heck of a lot of fun, and it's a <laughs> lot of meat, but. Uh, it's yeah it's that's not an animal i'd want to go up against without uh with a lot of firepower between me and it well a couple of things i thought with the cold weather they actually wouldn't you know venture this far north but the thing is i guess now they, they figured out how to just burrow into the snow and survive the winter no problem and of course you know unlike the pink pigs you see on the farms after a couple of years they, they grow the big thick uh coarse hair and they can yep. withstand the weather no problem and that's that's definitely something to be concerned about as well adapt Oh yeah, they're they're adapting quite well for sure. Um, there was something else I was going to bring up, but I completely forgot what, what it was. Oh, actually, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. I actually found my first indication of uh, wild boar at the local farm auction. Uh, one of the lo- pigs up for auction had actually been bred with a wild boar, uh, like a, an actual feral pig, and so it was considered like a, to be a cross animal because they're actually not the same as a farm pig, and um, it was noticeable. Huge, hairy, and and pretty nasty looking. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. It's um, well, that's a thing. All right, yeah. uh, I've got a news article here from CTV News, uh, and if you were paying attention to uh, the news in the last day or so, there was uh, some significant flooding in Toronto. So I believe it was the DVP that uh, was uh, covered in quite a bit of water, which caused uh, quite a bit of issues as far as drivers go. And you know, we can make as many comments as we wanted for uh, drivers in Toronto. They were they were avoiding the water like it was. Uh, going to destroy their cars and in some cases it probably would have if they tried to drive through it so that's uh was something interesting that uh can happen and uh especially shutting down major highways like 400 series highway it's never a good thing yeah i put an article yeah, in there no, that's uh oh sorry go ahead Al. I, I was just gonna say that toronto's toronto's a rough place to drive in the best of times and start shutting down the major arteries and it's uh it's not gonna get any better and nope. everybody sees us solid doesn't it but uh, no, actually, I put an article in there that I think might have turned out to be not so accurate, but I, they mentioned the boil water advisory for Toronto, but that actually got us digging, and there's another uh, boil water advisory out there, wasn't there? Uh, there was one yeah, in Montreal, uh, Montreal. last week. Yeah, so, you know, even, well, I guess, major city centers, they still get that once in a while, too, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's rare that you hear it, but uh, it can happen. I know a few, I remember a few years ago when I still lived in London, there was actually um, a really significant concern about. Uh, lead levels in the water and it was um it was a pretty uh pretty significant issue as they tried to try to find the sources of all the lead and uh start replacing they had to actually replace a bunch of water mains and start you know replacing the feeder pipes up to the house and stuff it was uh, uh your water supply is not guaranteed that's the, nope. that's the long and short of that one no, that's true uh, how about we move into what we've done lately for our preps so for myself, I got the uh, first little harvest out of our garden. It's a small little garden in the backyard, little raised garden bed, uh, but got uh, four jalapeno peppers out of it. So I'm going to uh, turn that into some hot pepper jelly in a, in a day or so here. And uh, jalapeno poppers. Oh, yes, that could be. Mm. Mm. Now there's <laughs> options. <laughs> okay, you said bacon, done. That's what it is. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the hot pepper jelly can wait for the next round. Uh, and I laid out some plans. I uh, acquired some security cameras through a trade uh, for some items, and I'm going to be setting those up this weekend. So just kind of walked around the house, planned out where I want to put them, where I want to set them up, and uh, kind of a, a buddy of mine coming over on the weekend, and we're going to do the fun thing of running cables. So I uh, did the pre-planning, and then uh, once they're all set up and, and running, that'll be uh, my thing for the next podcast. Does that have one of those things where you can actually you can actually check it from your phone and all that stuff? Uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's not cloud based or anything. I specifically did not want to do that. I like to have complete control over the system, and if you know the cloud based um, options out there, if the company goes under tomorrow, well, now you've got a bunch of cameras that are of absolutely no use to you. So this is a whole self contained system, uh, be administered by myself. Uh, I can access it remotely if I want to set that option up, uh, but I have to do a little bit of finagling with my security setup here for the internet and such in order to get through the firewalls and all that fun stuff. But um, it is doable. And uh, yeah, but I have complete and full control over the system. So it's not uh, it's not farmed out to a third-party cloud uh, cloud service provider. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So it's going to be fun. 
Awesome. So as for myself, um, I had a bit of a performance review at work. It takes up, uh, you know, it comes up once a year, but you have to take up a bit of spare time to prepare for that. I had a total of one day at home post-charity shoot before I had to head back to work. So that was pretty much just enough time to unpack the truck, repack for work, fill feeders and waterers, um, do it for a quick hike to actually maintain whatever I have for as far as mountain legs go. Uh, buy some feed. I made a couple CGM deals, had to frantically run to the post office, uh, pick up some Cabela's orders for next hunting season, um, which is fast approaching, of course. And I also topped out the propane supply at the alternate location uh, and did a quick inventory of the food and water supply there. Excellent. Um, I helped uh, helped a neighbor, uh, Bucket Trees. He uh, felled it last year. We uh, we dragged it out of his field and split it down into split it down into about a face quarter. Uh, really? a, uh, uh, fairly ready supply there. Split that down into something smaller that I can use for the soon to be existing uh, wood stove for the house, uh, which is going to be my my backup heat source for the winter. Uh, so I'm getting that done um, through some extra hydration tabs in my first aid kit. Um, became a stop the bleed instructor so i added another another um course that i can offer to my uh, to my first eight teachings um added a little bit more nerdiness to my life and then lots Sign of uh, lots of school yeah stop the bleed. it's a great course i mean it's, it really doesn't take a lot of time and it's uh um it's it's probably that and a cpr class are the the kind of the two things that you could do in half a day that would save a whole lot of lives um Statistics show that uh, major bleeding is the number one cause of non of like of, of non heart attack deaths. So, regardless of the source of the injury, bleeding is still the problem. If we can stop the bleed, then we can save a life. No, absolutely. I think the hands-on aspect of the course, since I just took it there a couple of weeks ago, uh, fantastic. Because you know, instead of just talking about stuff and maybe doing like a, a minor practical thing at the end of two days. The fact that you're right in there, right off the bat, doing practical stuff was awesome, and yeah, uh, uh, especially playing with the tourniquets, right? Yeah, well, that's that's the big thing. Like, um, I teach for the Red Cross, and we uh, the Red Cross course teaches tourniquet use, but you are we are specifically prohibited from actually applying them to a person because the Red Cross is afraid of doing damage. Of course, we know better than that now, and uh, so stop the bleed. You very specifically have to apply it to people. Um, and so I, it's, it's one of the reasons I like it better. It's, I, I think it's a great practice. So that's, uh, you set up some courses soon and I will, uh, find a way next, as soon as I get a course set up, I will, um, it'll be on the podcast here and we can figure out where to do it and when. And, uh, if you have a group listeners out there, if you have a group and you would like us, you'd like us to offer a course, then, uh, let me know. You can reach out to me and we can uh, set one up. Let me know. Uh, do you have like the, uh, the ballistic gel set up with all the, uh, the holes? Oops, sorry. Oh. <laughs> um, I do not have the ballistic gel set up. Uh, I was going to say that's. I might know a guy that can help you with that. So yeah. perfect. I would. I would love. I would love to have that. No, it's. Uh, um, I, I still have some props to build, but I, I want to build a. I want to build a leg, and I want to build a. Uh, uh, build a fake arm, and then uh, I've seen a few different, few different kinds of, um, of you know, fake body parts that we can flow blood like flow blood through. To, to practice wound packing, so I've got to, I've got a couple of things to a couple of things to build to get ready for that. But um, I would love to see some. I would love to have some ballistic gel and do that, so you can actually you know see inside what's going on when you pack a wound. That'd be cool. Yeah, no, was, that was the best part. Is like the when um, Gavin, the instructor that did ours, he uh, he had the ballistic gel, so he could see where you're packing, and you yep. can see how much stuff goes in. But also, you can see the nooks and crannies that you're missing if you don't do it correctly. Yep, oh, and it was cool. very interesting. So. That would definitely that would be interesting indeed. All right. Well, I, yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk off the air about that. Okay. Awesome. All right. And I guess we will move into the main topic of the show. All right, Alan, you're up. Cool. So, forty-eight hours until until we have to, until we have to go. Um, frankly, I think forty-eight hours is really generous. Uh, I was going through this. I was going through this war game as we were. Uh, um, as we were as we were talking about this episode and uh, thinking about like what would I do what would I do with two whole days for this, um, and we'll talk about exactly what happened. But um, like I mean, I guess first question is why are we leaving? So where I live, and I very specifically live here for a reason. I have very little 
major threat. There are very few things that would force me from my home. I'm more likely to be stuck inside than have to leave. For the sake of argument here, we're going to go with a wildfire. I think, you know, it's, it's a pretty broad, um, pretty broad uh, threat. Most, uh, most of Canada is uh, threatened at some point by, wild, by forest fires, by wildfires, uh, from east to west, north to south. And the closer you are to the uh, the closer you are to the to the trees, the more of a threat could be. I also think that it's reasonable that if there's a forest fire, that you can see it coming a couple of days out. Not always, but let's do that for the sake of argument. Um, for my location here, I'm going to I'm going to say that for, um, the fire is encroaching from the north, so that means that my primary location is out of reach. Uh, my primary my primary bug out location is a uh, is a place to the north of me. Uh, it's about a two and a half hour drive under ideal circumstances, and that's all well and good unless the um, unless there's a fire that uh, that blocks my path. So for our purposes here, the fire is coming from the north. I cannot get the um, cannot get to my to my primary location. Uh, my number one uh, my number one priority is coordinating is coordinating my family my kids don't live with me full time uh, so if they are um, if they are with their mother in you know another county which is to the west and north of me i got to coordinate getting them to a safe place as well uh, for our sake of argument here um, i've decided that uh, they, they and i will be going to the same place and that they are um, they're coming along so We'll count down. Hour 48, the evacuation notice comes in. We'll call that 8 a.m. on the first day. Step one is to assault the local grocery store for as much food and water as I can get my hands on. We're going to assume that there's already a line formed. So I'm going to, so I can skip this step because I have an excellent stock here at home already. Even if I have an excellent stock, I'm not, I think it's a great idea to go and stock up on what you can, where you can. Um, knowing that it's going to, it could be a while before you get to resupply. So that's, that's item one. Call that an hour. Cause if it's going to be more than an hour, it's not worth it because I'm, because I'm already well supplied. Well, especially if the so lineup's not moving, right? Like if you're in lineup for a grocery store, <laughs> nobody's moving forward at all. You're never going to get anything before it's all cleaned out anyway. Exactly. And there's just, there's so just no point in wasting time if you don't need to, if you, if you don't have a choice, then stay, then stay in the line. Um, it's also, and that's admittedly, it's completely selfish that if I don't need it, I'm going to get it anyways, but I don't really care about other people. I care about me and my family. So, um, that's, uh, that's my, that's my theory when, uh, when, when life goes south real quick, but if I don't need it, I'm not going to wait, I'm not going to waste time on that step. So we'll call that, we'll call that hour one, 9am, hour two, or hour 47, we're counting down. Um, check and make sure all my jerry cans are full. Um. I rotate my I rotate gasoline fairly fairly regularly, so I'm confident that it's fresh. But now is a good time to double check, right? While I still have access to those resources, um, all the jerry cans I have, without my uh, without a trailer without a trailer attached, gives me about three thousand kilometers of fuel if I can't replenish. Uh, I would also take this time to go to the bank in town and take out as much cash as the ATM will allow. Um, if things are going poorly, they, there may be a limit already. There may not be any cash on hand, but most ATMs have about it have about twenty thousand dollars on hand if they've been filled with any kind of regularity, and so I should be able to get at least as much as is as is in my bank account out um, without too much trouble as long as I give myself a fair bit of notice. Or also the fact is that some people's cards, which people should check, that their cards only allow them to take out so much per day, right? Like there's, there's some people that like their card limits them to $2,000 a day or something. Yeah. My, my card, my card very specifically has a limit on it. Um, same with, um, same with the email I can spend. So I very specifically put a limit on it that I can only spend $200 at a time. Now that said, if I need to take out more, I can call my bank and say, I need to make a large withdrawal or I need to make a large purchase and they authorize it. But that way I figure if, um, if I lose my card or if my card, if my wallet is stolen, um, my loss is limited. Yes, I would still get that all, all back, right? Insurance has insurance has its thing, but that still affects my cash on hand. Um, I also have a, a separate bank account that is, uh, that is not linked to my card. So I keep, you know, the money that I 
conceivably I'm going to spend in a few days in a, in the in the account that's attached to my card, but I keep everything else in uh, in a non-attached account so that even if my card does go missing, and even if somebody does know my you know know enough about my life that they can um, that they can get access to that, um, or they can convince the bank to override to override my limits then they're still only limited to, you know, I'm, I'm not losing all of my money. I'm not losing access to all my money. So that's, you know, kind of an aside there. Um, so that's hour 47. Hour 46, 10 a.m., the local liquor store opens. And I go in and get five small bottles of whiskey, five cases of beer, specifically as barter items. Uh, I, I remember reading years and years ago, at a um, in a National Geographic no Popular Mechanics magazine, um, they interviewed a couple of guys that stuck around uh, in a neighborhood in Galveston, Texas during one of the hurricanes. I don't remember which one. And what that guy said, it just it, it was one of those things that just resonated with me. Um, everybody evacuated. There were about five families that stayed that stayed around. Five houses that stayed around. They went through the neighborhood two days beforehand, tied down everything that could move, and then waited out the storm and what they what he came to discover afterwards is that cash was no good because it couldn't be spent anywhere but you could get anything for a case of beer hmm. so i was just one of those things that resonated with me i read that and, and i apologize that i couldn't i didn't look up the uh, uh didn't look up the reference to that but it was it was one of those things that i remember from years and years and years ago reading in, in and in a, i'm sure it was a popular mechanics and it just kind of stuck with me that like cash is good until it doesn't buy anything and then you need something else. And what do people always want? People always want a beer, especially when you're, especially when it's a hot day, like, uh, like today, everybody wants, everybody wants a cold beer. So that was, um, that's, that was my, my reasoning behind that. Um, some whiskey and some beer. So get home from that. Uh, that, uh, the, the near, the, the nearest liquor store is about a uh, 15 minute drive from where I live. So by the time I get through that line and get home, it's uh, hour 45. So it's 11 AM. So you begin loading the trailer. Camping gear goes in first because it's the last out. I don't expect we'll be stopping long enough to need it until we get to our destination, but I also don't want to be caught without it. So we still have an opportunity to get to um, to get to where we're going. And if we get stuck on the if we get stuck somewhere, we can be comfortable. Um, guns and ammo go in next, which with the exception of the traveler that will ride in the car with us. Again, um, I don't want to be stuck without it, but I don't ex- I don't anticipate needing an arsenal in the car as we go. Uh, then the water and food get packed in the emergency boxes. So I have, I have a couple of emergency boxes kind of near the back door uh, or near our side door on, that dumps out under our driveway. Um, it's the documents and the pictures and stuff that we don't want to leave behind. Um, we also have a plan within the house of the stuff that, you know, the, the pictures that are on the walls that we that are that are important to us to take with us. And if we have time, we'll grab those, put them in the box before we pack it. Um, so I'm packing five days worth of supplies tarps, ropes, uh, and a fuel can in the ca- and all of that in the car rather than in the trailer. And just in case we have to ditch the trailer. Uh, my, my location should be about an hour and a half drive uh, under good circumstances. But if I have five days worth of stuff in my car, then I figure that should be more than enough time to get to my destination. So... That jerry can will get me about uh, 650 kilometers. That's um, um, that's more more than enough to get me to where I'm going. So that's yeah. that's a few hours worth of work. So that brings us down to hour 36, which is 8 p.m. the first day. So we're about 12 hours in. I can see the glow from the oncoming fire. Right. That's you know it, that's and that's a reality. I've been in places where there's been where there've been forest fires, and it's you know it's a long ways off, but you can see it. Um, checked in with my destination. I know there are people there already. Um, it's a, fr- it's a friendly place. It's, uh, it's down near a big lake. So it's, uh, they, they're, they're there in the summer cause it's cooler than being in the city. Um, check with them, make sure they're okay. See what, see what supplies they need. Uh, crank up the radio and check for news on traffic updates. Um, all the news reports are saying that the main highways are jammed and grocery stores have been gutted. I was not, wondering if you're going to get to that. Yeah, I, was, I was wondering if you're going to get to that because as soon as people see the glow on the horizon, you know people are going to just absolutely lose their mind as a general rule. Start driving like Jake, uh, jackasses before you know the roads are blocked up, right? Absolutely. Yeah, things are going we, a little too smooth there. So yeah, we see, we see that. Yeah, so, so yeah. now I know. Like I know I have to cross uh, two major highways to get there. 
Um, I also have to cross a river. So there are, there are a whole bunch of pinch points that I have to deal with uh, between me and my destination. And, um, and I know that at least that, at least those major highways are jammed. So I got to stick to the back roads. It's uh, I'm, pre I'm prepared for that. I know the roads. Well, this is my, you know, this is kind of my hood. I've grown up in this part of the, in this part of the province. And um, I also have maps as a backup just in case. Um, news is also telling me that the military is standing up in the nearby city to help with the evacuation. The Red Cross is urging everyone to not rely on supplies in the shelters, which is another thing. It's, it's one thing to say that the Red Cross has shelter for everybody, but you know, when you're moving a million people from a, from a populated area, um, they don't ha necessarily have su enough supplies for all of those people for all of those times. So that is evening one. So basically, you're have begun. So you basically saying the but, government showed up and they're here to help, right? Yeah, that's uh, you know that's the second biggest lie ever, right? Yeah, because that's the thing. government. I'm here to help you. Um, um, so yeah, there are about a million people that have been displaced by this by this, um, and so that and and supply lines have been challenged too. That's another you know it's another thing, right? If the if the highways are jammed, then you know, all those trucks full of food are not arriving at grocery stores. They're not arriving at shelters. Uh, most grocery stores under best of, best case have three days worth of food on hand. And if a truck doesn't show up, they run out. So if the trucks can't get to the grocery stores to refill, we're all in a world of, a world of hurt unless we're prepared for it. Well, the gas stations especially um, too, like the tr truck doesn't refill the gas station almost daily. Some places you know, a couple times a day, then there's no gas in the gas station either. And that's a normal use. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a normal use, right? So if our, and you know, where, where I live, the, the, the 401 is our big, is our big, uh, um, our big transport hub. And if, you know, if, if you're not on the 401, you're on, um, you're on one of a couple of two lanes that are uh, windy and long and slow and also going to get jammed up real quick. So that's, that's, you know, one of the big concerns is not necessarily the, the direct threat from the, um, from the fire, which is of course a threat, but it's also the, the disruption of, um, the disruption of the, of the supplies. Um, so the fire is affecting, this fire would be, would be theoretically affecting our natural water supply, power distribution, and natural gas. So the primary lines have all been shut down, which strains resources from the other lines. Uh, where we are, we drain, we, we pull water from both Lake Huron and Lake Erie. Um, so if the Lake Huron line shuts down, Lake Erie has to pump up, but if it, but it's, you know, it's a smaller line and makes it more difficult to, makes it more difficult to keep, you know, to maintain water pressure. Um, there are, the, the, there's a major highway connecting the city to the west, which is the 401. Uh, and if it, and when it gets closed because of a because of a collision, uh, all the evacuation route, all the evacuation has moved east towards Toronto. So that is that is my that is my scenario at evening one. Um, I know I have about you know hour and a half, two hours under normal circumstances, but there are uh, so I called my alternate location at the end of night one to um, to check and make sure the roads are still open. And as far as we can tell, everything is still there. And if the uh, if like say uh, say the phone lines get jammed up or whatever, you got a text option or anything else to get a hold of them? Um, yeah, I mean te text text still usually go through, and the bugger location has uh, has shortwave radio, uh, and soon enough I will have shortwave radio here as well. So that's um, that would be that would be the secondary the secondary communication plan. Cool. Um, the third communication plan is a pair of cans and a really 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 long string, <laughs> um, but that requires us getting there first. So that's uh, that's 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 a uh, that's that's our plan C. Cool. So 10 p.m. the first night, everything that's left in the house is replaceable. If it burns down, it burns down. Um, not much more I can do except uh, you know sack out for as much for as much unrestful sleep as we can. Um, me knowing who I am, that's going to, that's going to go until about three o'clock in the morning and can't sleep. So do what I do best to go out and double check everything. Um, the smoke from the oncoming fire makes it very difficult to see in the dark. So there's no sense in trying to, there's no sense in trying to drive at night, um, compounding, compounding the risk. Uh, we've got, we've still got some time, but it's uh, you know back roads around here aren't lit very well, so there's no there's no street lights no street lights and smoke makes for a bad combination. 
6 a.m. comes around. That's the uh, that's kind of daybreak around here. You can see clearly or as clearly as you can through the smoke. Now's the time to empty the contents of the fridge and the freezers into coolers and put them in the car, not the trailer. So fire extension. So um, take the ladder, limb all the trees near the house. You can protect the house. You go up. Um, they should be falling. Whatever whatever does happen should fall away from the house, not towards it. Um, my house is covered is is brick with aluminum siding over it. It's an old house that's been renovated a couple of times. So, with the aluminum siding and the brick, it should have fairly decent protection. Um, but if it burns, it burns. Yeah, it's just stuff, right? Smoke's getting. It's just, it's just stuff, right? The people, are, the people, the things that can't be replaced, you know, the pictures, they're, uh, they're safe. The rest of the stuff is just stuff, and I can live without it. Um, so the smoke's getting thicker. Pretty much guaranteed that the field behind us is going to go up. So I've got about a 200, I've got about 200 acres of cornfield and brush behind me. Um, the way the fire is spreading in, this is a problem. I can see that that's going to go. Uh, it's behind me, uh, you know, to the west of me, and... Uh, winds always, almost always come from the west around here. Sorry, just gotta change that part of my note real quick. Uh, there we are. Um, so the embers are the the embers from that from that field going up are going to be pushed directly onto the back of the house. So the biggest challenge, the biggest thing for me is that my my deck is likely to burn if if anything happens. Um, so put the sprinkler on the back deck, turn it on so that it's soaking everything at the back of the house because that's the uh, that's the biggest threat. Um, roof might go up, but I need a new roof anyway, so whatever. 7 a.m. So we're now hour 25 from the hour 25 from the danger being in my yard. There's nothing more to wait for. So the longer we wait, the harder it's going to be to get across my pinch points. Um, river. I have to cross the river first. Um, there's going to be in. Uh, there's a big. Uh, uh, nope, sorry. I got across the got across the highway first, and then the river. Uh, once I get across the river, we'll be in pretty good shape, but also stuck between the river and a lake. So, cell service is going down. Uh, spotty. It's 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 nicely jammed up, but there but there's lots of there's lots of radio work, so lots of radio traffic, uh, which tells me what's going on. Um, truckers and truckers and tow trucks and police are making it sound like absolute chaos on the highways. We have to cross it but the primary route isn't at an interchange. So that's another that's another big thing, right? So we're crossing over the highway, but it's not at a place where you can get on or off the highway. Yeah, there's there's a few of those around um, here too. Like they're not clover leaves. They're just like they either pass under or over the highway and that's it. You don't really have to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. So I, I specifically planned it that way so that if people are trying to get off the highway, they can't jam up my roads, yeah. can't jam up my route. Um, so that can, that gives me a couple of, a couple of miles of freedom. Um River is a bit of a different story because there's there are only there there are half the number of bridges to get across the river than there are to get across the highway, but uh, it's a narrow bridge. But we start out anyways. So hour twenty four. So this is eight a.m. of day two. Um, get to the bridge and it's bogged down. There's too much traffic trying to get across, and somebody's getting stuck because somebody's trying to because too many big vehicles are trying to go at the same time. Not in interest route number one. Country, it's set up like a grid. You go over a couple of miles to try again as long as you know which direction to go. Distance from the fire, or 20, we arrive at tradition and the river between us. Get the family set up, but then I, being doing what I do, have to go back to that municipal, go back home and actually fight the fire. So that's that's my that's my plan. Um, that's my my thoughts on the process. If if things go if things go really badly here, um, my job is to get everybody out, right? Get my. Um, what do you think? What what did I, what did I miss, guys? Well, you got a good point, especially with the grid road aspect. Is that you guys have lots of alternate routes. Where I am, I only have like basically major pinch points everywhere so uh obviously when you get down to my stuff my, my priorities will be a little different because uh yeah geography play, plays huge right whether it be bridges or mountains or whatever in your way right yeah well that's you know it's it's a it's a it's like number one is knowing your area and you just you can only you can't know your area well enough um 
around here, there are, you know, there are roads every approximately mile and a quarter of the concessions around here. It's, I, I, I'm sure, I'm sure it's, it's a mile and a quarter on paper, what the actual reality is based on curves and stuff. I don't know, but um, even within those roads though, there are, you know, there are driveways that go to farmers fields that go directly across to the next concession. So you can follow hedgerows and get further back. So it's, uh, it, it makes good sense to know your, know your geography, know your, know your, your maps. Well, um, cause you don't, you don't want to end up, you know, you could, you could really easily end up, um, taking a wrong turn. If you're, if you've got to get over the highway or across a river. And is your, uh, like, as far as uh, alternate routes go, do you have it on uh, paper maps? Do you have it on, like, a GPS, or, like, how is your primary setup? Ah, uh, you beat me uh, to the question. Because uh, <laughs> I've driven these roads for hundreds of thousands of kilometers for the last, you know, 15 years doing service work around the province. So I know the roads really well. Uh, I do have paper maps. Um, as well as uh, like maps dot like the dot me um, app on my phone, um, Google Maps if it is still up and running, so I can at least see where things are. Um, but I do have paper, I do have paper maps in the glove box of, of all the cars with uh, you know, with kind of the routes highlighted that we would want to take ideally. Okay, cool. Let's see here, Eric, you got anything? Uh, yeah, I'm just kind of going over things here as well to see if I got any other questions. Uh, well, you're, and you're also lucky the fact that your uh, alternate location is like you know less than a tank of gas away, right? So, which comes in yeah, really handy. Yeah. Well, that's that's very specifically on purpose. I mean, it's it was something that I I was watching. Uh, what was that National Geographic's um, Doomsday Preppers? Yeah. And that was one of the things they kept they kept hitting on over and over again. Every time they they interviewed these uh, these preppers, they're like, "It's cool that your you know your your bug out location is you know seventeen thousand miles." Away completely safe but uh if you are you know if you don't have the fuel on board to get there you're kind of out of luck <laughs> so it's um yeah fuel on board clear roads yeah. and uh, advance notice right yeah so that's like you know and it's, it's not my only bug out location it's just kind of you don't want to you don't want to drive clear across the country if you only have to go a couple of miles yeah uh, maybe i missed the it. nearest the nearest safe haven but uh, maybe I missed it in your uh, your list of stuff here. But is there a plan to gas the vehicle back up when you get to your bug out location, or you just um, call it quits with the vehicle? Oh, I've, got, I've got your I've got Jerry cans on board. Okay. Um, I've got Jerry cans on board, but that's um, you know that's about uh, that's about all I have there. Um, there is a gas station near that location, so as long as it's still going, then we're okay. And uh, and that location. Also has uh, they've got a, you know, has a generator, so they've got about a, you know about 500, uh, 500 liters of fuel um, at any given time, which is good. And if I'm taking you know taking you know about three thousand kilometers with the gas with me, then I've got I've got lots to be able to be self sufficient for. Yeah, good for. That, like I, said, I put it, I put it in the notes here. Like this is a hundred kilometer problem, not a thousand kilometer problem. Yep. Um, but you know, my the challenge with going to where I am, the challenge with going to that location is that it traps me between um, traps me between the river and the and the lake. So I, you know, I'm I'm limited as into as to where else I can go. So if my threat is coming from the west, which it usually would be if it's a weather related issue west to east um i could be stuck there which could be a problem because i had my, my only other my only other direction is towards the uh towards the gta like hamilton golden horseshoe area so that's that's the only challenge with going there which is why it's my secondary location not my primary but it's a secondary location yeah i mean that you never want to go towards the the golden horde so to speak but <laughs> I mean, the good news is all the roads going towards there would be empty. It's just the ones leaving would be full. Or if I'm evacuating in my, in my little scenario, um, 
it would have been, you know, that's a, you know, that's, you know, 7 million people in a very cramped space all of a sudden with all, with everybody from this direction moving that way. Um, so that's, that's what I got about. That's what I got for that. Oh, awesome. That was, uh, that's well done. Uh, especially, with the, especially if you have a, it takes you more than a day to get there. At least you got the days, uh, you know, a couple of days worth of supplies on there and stuff as well. Well, and yeah, you know, I planned, I planned to have to ditch the, uh, ditch the trailer. Um, I, I can't foresee a lot of circumstances between here and there where I would have to, but, um, you plan for the worst and hope for the best. I like it. Well, I, uh, maybe I'm just a little more, uh, Asperger-ish than, than you guys on this one too. But of course we came up with this idea that, uh, you know, 48 hours still shit at the fan. I was trying to think of the actual emergency we'd use. And by the way, before I get onto mine, I was thinking same thing with you, Alan, I guess you're downwind of the, the power plants too, right? On the uh, yes, Kincard and that's another thing to think about. It's all westerly winds. So, uh, west to east anyway. Yeah. West. Yeah. It's all west to east. And that's, um, yeah. Yeah, so that is that is a challenge. So we're we're kind of downwind, and that's you know that's one of the reasons that I that I specifically mentioned that uh, um, cell phone and power would be spotty because if there's you know if that fires between between that power plant and us, then we're we're in trouble. Yeah. So I was uh, trying to like I guess so working all this stuff in my head, and one thing that popped in my head was the old movie from the '80s called Miracle Mile. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that one. No, I can't say as I have. Not familiar. Okay, so it's interesting. It's uh, it's got like Molly Greenwald and a bunch of other like '80s stars in it. It's actually kind of funny. But what happens is this guy is just walking along uh, a part of Los Angeles. He gets a phone call from a payphone, and it's a guy in a nuclear silo saying, "Hey, we just launched the missiles. Holy crap! You got to find shelter." And he goes, "Who is this?" He goes, "Oh, this isn't Bob. Oh, um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, never mind. Uh, wrong number." And he hangs up. Right? The guy's like, "Well, that's odd." And so he actually turns out he gets advance notice of a nuclear strike inbound. <laughs> and so he's ah. the only, he's the only guy in LA that knows it's coming. And he, he goes into this restaurant and basically says, guys, he, you know, I just got this weird phone call. It's, um, you know, it says the nuclear strikes coming and, and we're all going to die soon if we don't get out of LA. And, uh, it just so happens that you'll recognize her in the movie, but it's this, this, this one lady's like, well, I work for the Department of Defense. Stand by. She makes a phone call, and she gets a serious look on her face, and she's like, "I gotta go." <laughs> and, then, and then, so of course, it just it snowballs from there, right? So this guy is literally is the only guy that knows it's coming, and of course, he decides to tell his girlfriend, and so on and so on. And before you know it, you can see the slow breakdown in society as other people start to get the news. And uh, so, actually, that's kind of the way I was going. So more of a services never coming back in forty eight hours, but yeah, obviously less notice than than that. So. I guess number one question for us uh, in my situation is like right off the bat, depending on the emergencies, should I stay or should I go? Apologies to the clash, but you know, if, if I stay, there will be trouble, all that stuff. If I go, there will be double. None of that. None of that. All right. I got it. So anyways, uh, if you have warning, you probably know what's, yeah. <laughs> if you have warning, you probably know what's coming. So whether it be a forest fire or, you know, inbound strike or whatever, does everybody else know is, I guess, the first question, because basically you can either expect a slow degradation of services available or is it going to be a sudden stop? So for myself is right off the bat, um, if I need to get out of there because of the multiple choke points where I am and literally there's one highway in and out with geographical constraints in the way that you cannot literally, if that highway jams up, you're not going anywhere. So if I need to go, I need to go right now. And um, basically that's going to be with little to no notice. So that's my number one problem. So if I'm going, I need to have like a, a Scottish style gathering the clans at, at either my location or the other location, in which case you need to start making some phone calls, texts, radio calls, whatever. Um, anybody that I want at that, either my location or the alternate location, I need to get a hold of them and make sure we have agreed on alternate communications. So that's actually kind of my priority right off the bat is, is where and when and how we're going to get hold of each other. Um, so that's, that's, I guess, number one priority for me more than anything else at all. If I have time uh, to do a self-assessment, basically uh, with the location, uh, we can figure out where, what we're short on. So uh, once we go to that alternate location or if I'm staying put, um, from then on, I guess that, that location needs to remain, I'll use the term guarded, but basically just try, trying to prevent theft or trying to prevent somebody else from moving in and taking your stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, that's number one, uh, location making sure the location is uh, stable or secure. And then if you have time, now we can go out shopping for food. So if in the alternate location area, you have food available, 
yeah, go raid the grocery store. So uh, get shelf-stable food only. So whether that be rice, uh, canning items, uh, like to preserve stuff, Costco rice bags, canned food, anything like that. And on the way home, just like Alan, you know, top up the tank, make sure you got as much gas as you can. But one thing to come uh, that comes into play as well, like I think Alan touched on it as well, but security considerations for that last food run. Because if the panic starts and you're out at the grocery store and people start fighting over the food, do you want to sit there and go and get into a fist fight over that last uh, last you know grocery cart full of rice? Nope, not worth the effort. Because then, not, you know, if you're, you're, not if you're well prepared already. No, I mean you're basically yeah, you're you're risking injury, you're risking detainment by the police, you're risking all sorts of other stuff. So if it's a remote security concern, it's really not worth going for that last batch, as far as I'm concerned, anyway. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, agree. Um, no, definitely not worth it. Yeah, and cash, depending on the situation, cash is great, like Alan said, until somebody's not willing to take it. So as, as long as somebody's stupid enough to take my cash, I'll get as much as I can and use it. But then yep. that's when bartering is going to come into play as well, right? So um, basically, due to the fact that I basically stopped drinking a few <laughs> many years ago now, it seems on a regular basis, I've got a uh, collection of booze I can use for barter. So I don't need to stop at the liquor store per se, but uh, I want to make sure you have barter items with me if I'm, if I'm leaving as well. So it might have to go in the vehicle if we're, if we're leaving my place. Uh, once you've got that location figured out, it boils down to, depending on the season, uh, solar, heat, and light considerations. Are you going to be able to keep it lit, keep it warm, or keep it like energized? So whether you need... Uh, solar panels, generators, or whatever you're going to need um, that has to be either thrown in the truck or set up uh, before things really go sideways because you don't want to sit there and have to worry about setting up power stations or uh, any sort of lighting situation before the emergency really hits, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, last on the list, of course, is as part of the security consideration, hey, are you short on ammo at all? Because <laughs> whether it be food, uh, food gathering or whatever, uh, it might just be boiled down to you might have the opportunity to forage for food uh, in the back 40 or whatever. Want to make sure you at least have ammunition for those firearms you threw in the, in the car as well because uh, hunting ammo or whatever. Because, yeah, that, that's a thing. It is a tool, right? Unless, and then, unless uh, you're swimming. Basically, I don't want to... Swimming, then... Yeah. Sorry, you're cutting it out, but basically, yeah, it's, it's, has nothing. Uh, I think you're cutting it out on me, but yeah, anyways, I'm losing them too. Okay, so yeah, basically, uh, as you know, you never have too much ammo. I think is what Alan's trying to say. But um, if you have that, you know, site set up and you've got it secured, uh, now you want to take a look at the uh, beginning of the emergency, a quick patrol. Yeah. Because you want to be sure what you know, you know what you have around you. So whether it be uh, friendly neighbors, uh, any neighbors whatsoever, and also figure out any potential threats. So uh, I call it IFF or identification of friend or foe. Because basically, if you go around and you see a crazy guy in one corner, uh, a starving couple they're looking for food in another corner, and everything else, you got to identify what what problems you may have down the road. So as the emergency sets in, you want to make sure you have either uh, I'll call it a patrol, reconnaissance, whatever, and a basically a kind of a a security-minded setup, I'll call it a, uh, I guess, a tactical threat analysis. Uh, and that's pretty much where we go with the last 48 hours yep. because, yeah, situational awareness is key. Um, hopefully most of that food preparation has been taken care of, but if you can get some, great. If not, I didn't want to duplicate what Alan had put down for the most part, but for me, it's more like a location setup and security of that <laughs> same same location. So that was my big 48-hour items. Well, I think the big the big difference between you Ian, and me is is where we live. I mean, where I live is you know is farm country, and we're on a I'm on a, a you know a grid of roads, and I have a lot of options. Uh, where you live is a lot more rural, and, and I mean you're on an island, right? Like there's there's theoretically no escape there. <laughs> it's kind of like escape from New York. Uh, what even wor- the even the worst part is is like literally there's one road up and down the island, so that is it. And there's certain geographical choke points where there might be some side roads. But all those side roads, all they do is lead back to the main island highway again. Yeah. So it's, it's not like there's an alternate highway three or four miles over. Like, you know, three or four miles over is a 6,000-foot peak or 7,000-foot peak that you can't drive over or climb over easily with a lot of stuff. So you can't repel it or anything? Yeah. Be, yeah. <laughs> you could hike it, but you just wouldn't be taking much with you. <laughs> so, so, so what you're saying is there's a significant lack of helicopters. There's a sense of adventure, Ian. Yeah, sadly, sadly, lacking the helicopters. <laughs> uh, they're multi-purpose tools as well, but we won't get into that on this podcast. 
anyway, but uh, yeah, no. So for me, it, it's uh, location is number one, and, and whether or not I need to get there now or just stay put. So that was all I had. No, it's uh, yeah, it's it's definitely it kind of brings home the fact that you got to plan for your your surrounding area and, and what you're up against versus just taking a, a canned plan, applying it, and, and hoping that it's going to work. It, it definitely uh, takes some research and some knowledge of your local area. And I think every every preparedness minded person, if an emergency comes up, the first thing to do instead of running around panicking is just sit down, take stock of what you need to do, maybe take five minutes to actually have like a strategy uh, worked out before you start running around, because yeah, every situation is going to be different. There's no one size fits all solution, right? Oh, absolutely. Taking that taking that five seconds to take a deep breath, look at what you're actually dealing with, and assess it is is huge. Because running around panics is just not going to help anybody. Well, it'll help me because while you're running around panic, I'm going to go get your supplies. <laughs> Valid point. Okay, so anybody else listening, run around panicked, and then we will come and take your supplies. Yeah. And actually, I was going to ask you, I was gonna ask you Alan, so uh, I forgot to ask you your stuff, Alan, with your, with your first day, you got the truck all packed up. Um, are you going to yep. sleep in the truck to keep make sure somebody you know doesn't take it or because that's all your stuff, right? Like, is well, there... tra- trucks and trucks like the, the trailer, the trailer lives in the garage. So it's, it's enclosed and it's safe and secure. Um, would I, would I stop it? Would I stop with that? No, probably not. I wouldn't sleep in it just because uh, frankly, I don't need to. Um, it's uh, you know, we're small enough. We're, I'm in a small enough community and we're isolated enough from everything. Um, I have a dog that barks at anything that comes within, you know, 50 yards of the property. Uh, I have lights, I have cameras, I have alarms. So, um, not not a not a huge concern for this short term of an event. If it was a lot, if it was a bigger deal and a longer term problem, then yes, I would absolutely. Um, I probably wouldn't even sleep in the truck. I probably wouldn't have waited. I would have risked the I would have risked the night drive. Um, if things were if if there if the you know the vibe in the community was that we were going to start turning on each other. Yeah, that's true. I mean, again, depends on the situation and how fast it's breaking down as well. Yeah, if I if I lived in a if I lived in a city, absolutely, I'd be sleeping in the tr- I'd be sleeping in the truck, and I wouldn't even I wouldn't wait. I would just go. Yeah, good point. Well, I've I, proven I to myself that I can drive that I can drive for a long time on very little sleep. <laughs> well, especially look at what happened on Fort McMurray and how fast the roads clogged up there too, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you guys were watching that go down at all, like, and of course they all had zero notice to leave, but uh, it didn't take long for that one highway out of town to become completely stopped. Yep. Yeah. And surprisingly, few people went on the wrong, on the shoulder of the wrong side of the road to get out, which is well, you got to follow the traffic laws. No, no, you don't. <laughs> you follow the traffic laws. I'll go be safe. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably the only time anybody did follow the laws is uh, at that point. Yeah, probably. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll just take a, a second to mention to anybody listening, if uh, they want to make comments or have questions or, or anything in regards to the scenario and uh, and how they've been described today, uh, feel free to just flip an email into uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca and uh, give us your two cents. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you do differently, what you what you would keep the same, and uh, we can keep the conversation flowing. Cause it's, uh, it's always a good way to learn and, and brainstorm is to, to get a bunch of different points of view on things and, and discuss it. And uh, maybe there's some stuff that you don't agree with or stuff that you do. Let us know. Uh, so just a quick email into uh, feedbackprepperpodcast.ca. Uh, as always, you can choose to stay anonymous if you want. We don't need your name and information. You can just say you want to stay anonymous and we'll uh, certainly respect that. So. Uh, and with that, maybe we'll move into the uh, the podcast challenge. Yeah, for sure. So for the podcast challenge, we um, we should want you to make a list of ten critical items you're short on, and that you would need to increase your chances in a true SHTF situation. So prioritize those ten items, and so you have some notice or you have first mover advantage. Make sure you know which items to grab first, just to uh, help yourself down the road. Awesome. When you find that, when you do make that list, let us know what you find. Yeah. Um, you may find something that we don't have, and of course, the time of year depends on what you're going to take as well. So, uh, my particular my particular scenario was a uh, was was warm weather, but uh, um, if it was a uh, if it was a, a cold weather problem or a spring problem where uh, you know flooding was the flooding was the issue, then you know your your kit might be different. So, 
um, let us know what let us know what you found out. Let us know what you what you came up with. You know, think about the the, the times of the year that, uh, that things tend to go on in your world. If you're near a floodplain, if you're near uh, if you're near a tree line where where there's a fire, if there's whatever, uh, let us know what you came up with. Same that same uh, email prepper, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right, and into uh, upcoming events, which is blank. We've finally gone through the list. <laughs> yeah. We should we should just say uh, quick apologies to Jay for myself. I wasn't able to make the prepper meet because I unfortunately was at the podcaster charity shoot. Then I went off to work and I didn't have time to make both work. So I do have to apologize for that one. I would have loved to have shown up, but I will make a point of getting to it at least uh, hopefully next year. Yeah, I'm going to make an attempt as I, well for, for next year. I, uh, I was away in Niagara Falls on uh, my uh, first year. Uh, wedding anniversary with uh, my wife so uh yeah i didn't want to end the uh the first year uh, in divorce so <laughs> always a solid that's, plan that's that that's a that was a that was good that was good uh, good situational situational awareness with that yeah uh, i also didn't make it i was in training so we uh you know we've been talking about this for four or five months now and then none of us actually showed up so um that's uh that is a wrong that we will correct for next year absolutely we can, oh. we can make a point that all three of us can converge there and that'd be fun um, yeah. shenanigans ones too absolutely uh the, the feedback that i am seeing on on facebook and such is is good though uh many many people attended everybody seems to be having a good time and, and had lots and lots of good uh, good things to say about it so it is uh it's getting bigger it's getting larger and um yeah more people are showing up but everybody's having a good time so I would still like to get Che on to talk about the talk about what happened, like what the uh, what the event was all about, and what uh, oh, what absolutely. people took away from it. So uh, maybe we can reach out to him and schedule that for not next episode, but maybe the episode after. We can talk it out and see what happens. Yeah, I have to to meet up with him just to get the uh, the radios back that I loaned to him for for the event. So I'll get those back from him, have uh, have a beer with him, and, and chat, and I'll I'll float the idea that he uh, he come on an episode and, and see uh, see if he's willing to come on and, and tell us about. it. I'm sure he would. I don't see why he wouldn't. So. It's like having the cool kids over. Yeah. <laughs> cool. We'll move on to uh, some shout outs. I will shout out to my darling daughter. If she's still listening at this point, uh, go to bed, darling. Uh, she's a big fan of the show. She watches it live on YouTube. I, I see there are a few, there are a few viewers. So that might be her. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about this more in the morning. <laughs> All right, so I've uh, I've got a quick shout out to uh, Alexander Novikov. Uh, I know I did uh, I did one to him a while ago around I think episode two or three. Uh, he is a graphic designer that's looked after the logo for the podcast. Uh, he has made us a nice uh, nice little animated banner as well for our Facebook page and for the uh, the header of uh, the YouTube page. Uh, so he, he's made that up for us. He also made some edits to the logo so they look a lot uh, cleaner, a lot crisper on Facebook and YouTube. So before they were kind of a little off-centered and they, they weren't 100% um, showing everything. So we modified those and got them up to spec and, and made us that nice header um, for both the YouTube and Facebook. So much appreciated. He put a lot of work into it and, and dealt with me sending him all kinds of changes and modifications and edits that we wanted. And uh, he did it without even flinching. So much appreciated. And uh, I think it looks pretty good. So. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. So I got one for the also, uh, traveling prepper. He just said a cool Facebook link. Page. Oh yeah. Well, we're going to mention that as well. But <laughs> as I got one for that uh, shout out for the traveling prepper, he sent me a cool link to the uh, video I listed below here, basically on how to make uh, cordage from a pop bottle. Oh. So he turns a pop, like a two liter pop bottle, into mm -hmm. like usable like cordage for making forts or whatever have you. Oh, cool. Yeah, and funny actually, enough, I, when I was uh, when I was on the East Coast last weekend, with my uh, I was on the East Coast with my daughter on the weekend, and we actually watched. Uh, I don't think it was this video specifically, but another video, um, and she was uh, she was doing that with water bottles all weekend, turning them into cordage and then tying stuff up with it. Um, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, and then you mentioned it here. Cool. That was great. Awesome. Yeah, so we'll move into email and iTunes reviews. So for uh, iTunes reviews, we are up to 27 five-star reviews. Go us. Uh, we've got uh, still that one little guy at four-star, but uh, don't worry about that little guy. 
<laughs> well, you're still worried about it. Uh, no, 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 no. It, uh, it, it's there. Who, who are you trying to convince to not be worried about this? Is it you or me? <laughs> well, now you guys are gonna gonna razz me about it too, eh? Oh well, that's fine. Yes, we'll yes, we'll keep right. that little guy there. <laughs> uh, we do have another written review as well. So it's by uh, Rob seven nine seven. It's from uh, June twenty fourth, uh, and it, uh, I like the way this one starts out. Uh, I find the host to be a very pleasant fellow. That's, I like it. Uh, so, so and it's uh, very informative with lots of good discussions. I would definitely recommend uh, this podcast to friends. So appreciate the, uh, the feedback there, Rob seven seven nine seven. Much appreciated. Uh, and yeah, thanks, Rob. We appreciate uh, you listening. Everything we've got there for reviews. I've, yeah, I've got an email from uh, Daryl, and Daryl says, uh, "Howdy." been listening to your podcast the last while if you're looking for some added opinion on the technical side of things send me a line i'm a master electrician working extensively in maintenance and computer programming for the oil field northern alberta solar panels batteries and their uses may be of your interest i've installed transfer switch and ran off a 3000 watt generator lately for our house uh i'm a regional field officer for the ccfr um that's something we have in common he's built a few ars as well he also takes care of a campground and uh, many repairs for those who think they are roughing it I can hmm. appreciate that as well. Uh, he has a bug out vehicle in the form of an 81 GMC, and uh, oh, yeah. he uh, he drives a Dodge, so he carries a bug out bag naturally. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think it's a dig on Dodges, if I wasn't mistaken there. Um, hmm. See here. So he is a, an instructor in Project Maple Seed, which is the uh, the shooting qualification uh, thing that's taking the, uh, the shooting world by storm right now. He's also trying to get his ham radio license, but he needs more time. Um, he traps a little and he hunts. And he's lost 75 pounds on keto in five months. Impressive. Yes. Good man. Yes. So sitting now at 200 pounds and all this freeze-dried stuff sucks for uh, keto. Pemmican, maybe. Well, pemmican would be yep. awesome. And actually, uh, it's actually surprisingly easy to make. It's uh, basically... Uh, that's, an, that's another episode coming up, too. Yeah. In regards to your podcast, any chance of having it other, any other day than Wednesday night? Uh, I've been trying to watch live, but Wednesdays don't work. Uh, don't just do it for me, though. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, uh, that, uh, yeah, he mentioned that here we are on a Thursday. So he does mention about uh, Stitcher or Podbean, and um, he figures iTunes is communist. Well, I can't argue with that. And he says, uh, drop me a line or look me up on Facebook. And uh, if uh, you want to meet him on YouTube, it's, uh, I'm not I don't think I'm giving him any obstacle with his last name there. But uh, anyways, he, his name on YouTube is, yep, that's me, 001. So patiently yeah. waiting for the collapse, Daryl. We, uh, awesome. You can also find this on Spotify. So that's that's yep. another option there, Daryl. That's true. And uh, I think YouTube or um, I think iTunes, when they pick it up, a lot of other different apps will feed off of that feed. Castbox is one that I that, that I use. And that's uh, that basically anything from iTunes will feed through Castbox. And that way you don't have to use iTunes directly. Is that, uh, is that C-A-S-T, like cast box? Yes, C-A-S-T box. Okay. I think he, he mentioned he's an Android user too, right? Yep, so am I. So uh, I know on my Android phone, I, I there's just a, a basic podcast app that was on it. I didn't install it. It just came with a phone. Yep. Um, I haven't done anything specifically with uh, submitting the podcast. I just put it on Podbean and then... Uh, iTunes picks it up, picks up the feed, but it appeared on that um, on that app too. So there's a little little podcast app on uh, on Android that picks it up right away. So uh, you can check that out as well if uh, since you're not a, an iPhone person or an Apple guy. So. Yeah, but thanks for the feedback, Daryl. And we uh, we definitely want to uh, definitely want to talk about that uh, um, that 81 GMC. That's uh, that's pretty cool. I'm picturing the 18 van. Is that just me? <laughs> Talk about the opposite of gray man theory. Uh, you know, a big license plate that says "18." You know, driven by a black guy, a big black man with uh, all sorts of chains around his neck, and built like a brick shit house. And oh, mm. sorry, I shouldn't swear, but anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's like hardly gray man theory at least at that point. Things really, really <laughs> go south, though. Would you not want BA Baracus by your side? Oh, I totally would, especially with the Mohawk that this this extra badass. That, that, that's what BA stood for, was badass, right? Or, yeah, exactly. Or was it bad attitude? I can't remember. Uh, One of the two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's all I had for there. Huh? All right. Well, with that, uh, I will bring episode number twenty nine of the Canadian Prepper Podcast to an end. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. 
uh, please help us out. Take a few minutes, submit a review. Uh, it helps other people find us. Uh, you can also find us at prepperpodcast.ca. And of course, we are now recently uh, new on Facebook. So uh, you can check us out there. Yay. Alan. Alan. Oh, that's me. Right. Haha, <laughs> cute. <Bueller>. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we record these shows live on YouTube chats. Um, live on YouTube chats. We, If you want an early peek at the shows, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is Canadian Prepper Podcast. Click the notifications tab. That alerts you when, you when we are going live. If you want to find me directly, you can get me on Instagram at PPSWO. You can reach Ian directly by emailing me at theislandretreat at gmail.com. You can also find me giving me my two cents worth on Canadian Patriot Podcast, also available on iTunes and YouTube. There you can find us exposing more government waste, squirreling off on the odd firearms-related banter, and generally drowning our sorrows online versus at the local watering hole. I believe our uh, our listenership is almost equal to theirs now, correct? One could even say it's exceeding at this point. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <Yo>. Uh, <laughs> all right, so uh, please check out Rapid Survival at uh, rapidsurvival.com. Uh, you can get me there in the live chat uh, while you're buying some pepper gear. Uh, you can also email me at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca while, of course, still purchasing your uh, favorite pepper gear. Uh, so thanks for joining us and tune in for the next episode. We're going to talk about tools for the apocalypse. So until <laughs> next time, uh, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning.